You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Nebraska. So you told the sheriff that you were walking to Nebraska. That's right. To get my million dollars. This is Woody Grant. We are now authorized to pay one million dollars to Woodrow T. Grant of Billings, Montana. This is his son. You didn't win anything. It's a complete scam. So you got to stop this, okay? I'm running out of time. This is his wife. I never knew the son of a bitch even wanted to be a millionaire. He should have thought about that years ago and worked for it. How much longer is he going to be around? What's the harm in letting him have his little fantasy for just a couple more days? This is his family. Woody here's the talk of the town. Why didn't you tell us you was rich, Woody? David said not to. You got it on you. Yeah, we sure would like to see what a million dollars looks like. And this is the problem. God damn, Woody Grant's a millionaire! Next round is on Woody. If Woody hit it rich and I don't see any of it, that would be wrong. Are you threatening my family? Everybody's saying how Woody Grant's a millionaire. That's no big deal. No big deal? Jeez, a million here, a million there. Well, the newspaper's gonna do a big write-up on you. Honestly, right? Woody didn't win anything. You're a damn liar. Hey, 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 hey. Come on. Have a beer with your old man. Be somebody. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Nebraska, and the story is as follows. Cantankerous old buzzard Woody Grant can barely walk down the street of his home in Billings, Montana, without stopping for a drink. So when Woody receives a sweepstakes notice in the mail and insists on making a 750-mile trip to Lincoln, Nebraska to collect his prize, it falls to baffled son David to accompany him. During a stop in their Nebraska hometown, word gets out about Woody's fortune, first making him a hero, then later the target of predatory people. Uh, the film is starring Bruce Stern, Will Forte, June Squibb, Stacey Keach, and Bob Odenkirk. It is directed by Alexander Payne, written by Bob Nelson. Here to join me today for this 2013 retrospective podcast review, I have Dan Bear. You dumb cluck. Will Mavity. You can all go yourself and tom o'brien i got nothing but hi everybody (laughs) (laughs) all right so we're talking about a film here from alexander payne somebody who has not had when you think about like the amount of exposure his work has had over the years both with uh the academy and in terms of distribution he doesn't really have actually the biggest filmography in the world the man's only directed seven feature films Nebraska coming out back in 2013 uh, obviously was a film that still stands to this day as the only film he's directed with no writing credit on. Uh, but it teamed him up here with Bruce Stern, Will Forte, June Squibb, uh, you know, all the cast members I mentioned here before and resulted in a pretty good run for this movie, both critically and also with the Academy resulting in a Best Picture nomination. How has it endured since then? What do we think about its themes, its characters? Of course, the fact that it's shot in black and white. I'm curious because I don't think I've ever spoken about this movie with either one of you here. I don't think it's ever, ever even come up in conversation uh, amongst any of us. We usually talk about some of Alexander Payne's uh, other work instead, movies like 
election sideways, the descendants I know gets talked about a lot. So let's have at it. Will Mavity, what do you think of Nebraska? So Nebraska, you know, it's funny. We we talked about in the MVP group chat recently about some films that you're kind of iffy on and then they really bring it home in the third act. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is a quintessential one of those films. It's not firing on all cylinders the way Alexander Payne's filmmaking is in, say, Sideways or Election, which are my two favorites of his. But it is a film that really sneaks up on you, and uh, it seems like all the pieces come together for, in my opinion, one of his strongest emotional finales. You know, people talked about how Payne used to kind of have a fly-on-the-wall view of the world and kind of be emotionally withdrawn his movies at least pre the descendants but this one ends up being a very touching film i found the first third of the film incredibly awkward and not just in the deliberate sense i felt like some of the way will forte sells the dialogue felt very stilted i thought the pacing was a little bit off at first but as you really settle into this world and get to know the characters um it sneaks up on you and i thought Bruce Stern and June Squibb are obviously fantastic, and the whole ensemble is frankly lovely. But it um, it ends up being a very sweet story about fathers and sons, and it's it's just so kooky and weird that you can't help but smile. And I also I do want to give a shout out. I think um, you know I've seen a lot of people on Twitter complain about Payne getting a director nomination for that. I wouldn't have nominated him over Paul Greengrass or Spike Jones that year, but. He's doing more than meets the eye with having multiple planes of action going on in a lot of these shots. And uh, it's actually some pretty interesting visual work. So it is probably my third favorite pain film. I actually really do think it's quite good. Okay. All right. Next up here, Dan Baer. What did you think of Nebraska? So I remember watching this in 2013 and all of the Oscar talk was swirling around it and Bruce Dern coming back to give the performance of his career and the discovery of June Squibb and, oh, my God, Will Arnett is actually a good dramatic actor and all these things. And I was excited to see it uh, for a number of reasons, those being among them. And I left feeling like that was it Mm. and just not thinking that it was like it was good, but it wasn't worthy of the the hosannas that it was receiving from people at the time. And I when it got all the Oscar nominations, I was just like. Okay, Ampus, you do you, and sort of never gave it a second thought. But I was eager to revisit it just because, like, maybe, you know, I was just a grump. Maybe I have matured since then, or maybe, you know, there was just something going on that I didn't see the first time. And so I watched it again for literally just before we got on here for this podcast, and I was almost there i was almost going to say to myself no you know you didn't give this movie a fair shake back in 2013 um but no i stand by everything i thought about it the first time i saw it it is a perfectly fine movie that is just 
nothing more than that. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. All right, so we've got some uh, divided reactions here, right? Pretty interesting so far. Tom O'Brien, tiebreaker, what do you think of Nebraska? Well, I think I'm coming down much closer to Will than I am to Dan. Dan is not a grump, but he's kind of grumpy on this one. (laughs) (laughs) I am a grump sometimes. (laughs) It's just not my default setting. (laughs) But it's funny the point you raised about uh, how we've kind of forgotten this film despite all of the, the Oscar nominations and the like, when we've been talking about 2013 in our retrospective series, I, I was like, oh my gosh, Nebraska is 2013 and nobody's talking about it. And when I saw this podcast was scheduled, it gave me a wonderful chance to go back and revisit it. Um, seeing it a second time, I was really struck by the sense of place that Payne has uh, created. This is obviously a territory where he lived and he knows it inside out. But he's created a world, I think, that could really only live in that part of the country and characters that probably are uh, mostly associated with that part of the country. I, I found it to be rather moving this time, uh, particularly in the scenes between Bruce Stern and Will Forte. Um, anybody who is trying to bond with your dad before your dad passes on will recognize why Will Forte does what he does. Yes, in part to shut him up, but also in part to have some valuable time because this old man is not going to be around much longer. And that really resonated with me. 
Uh, I think the performances, which we'll probably talk about in, in some detail, uh, are one of the first things you notice about it. But I really do uh, appreciate now um, the delicacy, which might sound like a strange word for this film, but it, the way it's the family life, small town life, missed opportunities, and perhaps one final real opportunity farther down the road are depicted. And uh, I came away liking it the second time just as much as the first. Okay, I'm going to make it a tie here once again. I'm siding with Dan in the it's good, not great territory here. I feel like if this was made by any other director than Alexander Payne, who had at this point a lot of credibility built up in his filmography, I don't know if it would have received the same level of recognition that it did. But I agree with a lot of what Tom is saying here in terms of how it tackles its themes. And the storytelling is one that almost could be described as a comfort film for many. It's extremely simple, nice, easygoing. It doesn't necessarily hit you over the head with any form of serious drama or tension never really stresses you out it kind of just goes at its own pace and the music is also very comforting i i i found it oddly in in its own weird way to be a very very warm film even though it is filled with some sad themes at times in terms of looking back on the past and regret and one last shot at redemption as you said there tom because at the end of the day uh time is just tick 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 ticking away and so all of these themes you know resonated on a personal level um and yeah, Payne does have that connection to it being someone that grew up in Nebraska uh, before he went to school and, you know, went off and did his own thing, obviously, becoming a filmmaker in Hollywood. So you know that the story has a great deal of significance to him. And I think that that is infused here in the way that he captures the town, the locals, and also just the main characters and how much he really wants to dig into them and let the uh, actors' performances shine through. With all that said, I want to start off with the first question here. I do feel that this is one of those movies that when we talk about like black and white photography uh, being a little bit of a, uh, like almost like a, a steroid booster, if you will, it's almost like unfair for your for your movie to be uh, in black and white because it's like almost guaranteed to get some level of awards recognition sometimes if it is. Is this a movie that needed to be shot in black and white? No, not at all. And so because of that, I'm curious to know why you think the decision was made. And if you agree that it's a good decision, <laughs> why, why does it work for you? I'll leave that to someone who liked the cinematography. <laughs> I'll jump I in there. I'll, you know, I think that that it it uh, the black and white photography for me has kind of an old fashioned feeling to it, mm -hmm. as if it's an old photograph of a place that's frozen in time. And this town of Hawthorne, Nebraska, seems frozen in time. There doesn't seem to be anything new in this town. It thinks these things have been there for decades, and I. I think that Payne wanted to do use the black and white to indicate that this is a section of the country that might not be quite as 
new and hip and fresh. It's older and it's set in its ways. And I, to me, at least, the black and white helped to reflect that theme. I can understand that and appreciate that on a certain to a certain extent um the look of it reminded me a lot of bogdanovich's movies from the 70s that were also sort of looking back or looking at rural areas i'm thinking of like paper moon and a last picture show specifically and i can get that a little bit but I, I can understand like why he would want to shoot in black and white and think like, yeah, there's there's something there. But this black and white, I don't think looks very good. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt. This is a preview of our 2013 retrospective podcast review of Nebraska here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to our Patreon for Next Best Picture, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.